0: Hi guys, so I'm really excited about this episode because I haven't had a guest in a while, and um, this guest, (laughs) this guest's name is Emil, and he's, we've known each other for like 10 years now, we met on an internet forum in like 2011, and um kind of hated each other at first, and then we started talking, and yeah, we he's actually my ex. We were together for a few years. We traveled the world together. We went to like 20 different countries. We were nomadic, like digital nomads. So lots and lots of interesting and fun experiences there. Um, he's a writer, musician, highly creative and intelligent person with lots of cool ideas and pretty magical. Uh, it's funny because both of us have had a lot of paranormal Weirdness during our lives and so as soon as we met up like in person it got so crazy We're actually thinking about recording episode, an episode just talking about all of the paranormal strangeness that we experience together Like living in a haunted apartment in Prague and other fun things So yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. The intro song is a collaboration we made together he taught me how to make electronic music some years back and that I'm really grateful for that. That was cool. I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: So we are going to talk about the darkness you come across in life and how to turn that into something good, how to use darkness as fuel for the positive things you want in life rather than just letting it overwhelm you and make you depressed. Like, um, Yeah. Yeah, there's like a very fine line, I think, between um, being like, crushed by the darkness and uh, like riding the waves and just making <laughs> the most of it. like And the, dancing the, with like, the darkness. And, awful and Awesome is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah. It's a delicate balance. It's pretty much like, I think of it like inner alchemy because you're just get like intaking all of this stuff and then you end up transmuting it into something beneficial. It's just energy. But when yeah, you don't, definitely. When you don't know how to recognize what it is and like deal with it it's pretty scary so
1: yeah so it's like
0: sorry what, go ahead sorry darkness,
1: go ahead uh, darkness is often a more concentrated energy like for example there's this idea in psychology that uh like negative things have about five times as much impact on your mind and like mm-hmm. mental state and emotions as positive things do yeah so I think that's more about how we handle things rather than like just internalizing these things, we can transmute them. And basically it becomes a much more powerful energy source than if everything was just sunshine and roses all the time.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, the darkness is there for a reason, right? Like clearly we like, interfacing with it and playing around with it or it wouldn't be there like there's a reason so how do how would you define um darkness in general like when you think about the darkness in the world like well maybe not in the world let's keep it to more the internal state but that reflects the world but you know what i mean like what's the first thing
1: thing? yeah oh the first thing that would come to mind would be like self-destructiveness self-destructivity whatever it's called um, yeah, I think that's like the dark, darkest thing that exists because yeah it's not just destructive it's like so corrupted and turned against itself and everything else that it's just total darkness you know
0: it's like auto cannibalism
1: yeah 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 but a bad version of it <laughs> is there a good like,
0: version of that
1: <laughs> yeah I was thinking about how like your body reuses its like corrupt Materials oh, autophagy, three.
0: autophagy, that's a different thing. I'm talking about like taking a bite out of your own arm.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was
0: funny when you said, "Oh yeah, I mean if it's a bad version." Yeah. I'm like, "Wait, wait, what?" <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's a good that's a good example of a uh, darkness, I think. Like self-destruction is pretty much anti-life. Like it's literally yeah. going against life force.
1: Yeah, it's like the purest form of entropy.
0: Yeah. So I agree, like pretty much any self-destructive thoughts, like when you have a thought like I'm not good enough or uh, I hate myself, like that's the epitome of darkness because you're basically just like spitting in the face of creation. Like you're, cause you're a yeah. piece of that, you know, like you can't, you really can't like hate yourself and also love, like appreciate existence at the same time, you know? And I think a lot of people yeah. do that. They're like, other people are good, Um, the world is beautiful, nature is cool, but I suck. And it's like, no, Mm. (laughs) you are a piece of that. So if you hate yourself, you're literally just, like, hating hating life as a whole.
1: It's a really sad kind of state for people to be in.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are stuck in it and just don't know how the hell they get out because it's not like they teach this in school.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, like, the big difference. Like, darkness can either just overtake you and um, just like nestles way in and then it just kind of multiplies in there and gets stuck and stagnant and rots and you just yeah. feel worse and worse. It's like a downward spiral. Or if you were taught how to handle these things, it could be the other way around that it actually makes you stronger. It's like um, yeah. with like an infection, for example, if you get an infection and your body responds quickly, then it makes your whole immune system and stuff permanently stronger. That's a really good example, (laughs) yeah. And when you're in a weakened state or when your body can't handle it properly, then it ends up doing the other thing. Either like you get a really nasty infection that gives you permanent damage, or you develop an autoimmunity trying to fight the disease.
0: Yeah. That's a huge problem. The autoimmunity, honestly, like they say that they don't know what the cause is, but I think that it's what we're talking about, like just being in a constant state of stress and and hating hating yourself.
1: Yeah, I think of like depression and chronic fatigue and these kinds of things as like the mental or spiritual equivalent of um, like autoimmune disease. Yeah. It's like your mind is constantly fighting itself and inflaming itself.
0: Yeah, and like we often talk about, these things are are usually reflected at several levels. So it's not like, is this spiritual or is it physical? It's like it's both, you know, like yeah, they exactly. reflect each other. Yeah. Well, I know that both of us have been through a lot of dark and weird things and have come a long way since then. So I'm just uh, congratulating both of us <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, we've <laughs> no, um, done good, I think, with what we have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, seriously, because there's been some really messed up things for both of us individually. Um, Mm. And so, like, how does one go about, like, say there's someone listening who is constantly struggling with self-defeating thoughts or hating themselves or feeling not good enough. Um, What are some, like, kind of easy, simple ways to ease into making friends with the darkness, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think the first most fundamental thing is to really embrace the perspective that you need the darkness like you can't exist without having darkness and it can be the most potent fuel you will ever have yeah Um, and not in like a a wallowing in self-pity kind of way or just holding on to pain forever being angry i mean more um just like embracing the necessity of this stuff. If you think of it, like all your favorite movies or books or any kind of storytelling, you know, (laughs) the whole thing revolves around there being things that are just fucked up, dark and bad. And ways to go about fixing that, right? That's the entire thing that makes it interesting. Whether it's a drama or comedy or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's always about overcoming darkness. If there was no darkness begin with, it wouldn't be a good story. Like if you tell a because there are five people, they are happy and drinking lemonade, then yeah, maybe you <laughs> can sell it to a toddler. But <laughs> you yeah. know, it's pretty much the extent of it.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example. Honestly, it it really does. It like the contrast of the the light and dark is what makes things interesting. It's like that's pretty much what life is. It's just like a dance between those two forces. Yeah embracing that it's like necessary that it's not a problem that it's there for a reason and that i honestly what has helped me a lot is just taking to heart like no emotion is bad or wrong because yeah. so so many people think like these emotions are good and i want to feel those these are bad and i don't want to feel them even if you're like a spiritual person who I, i'm assuming people listening are obviously because this podcast is pretty woo <laughs> uh but even if you are, you can still fall into the trap of avoiding your own sadness. I do it all the time. And I have to, like, remind myself, actually, no, no emotion is wrong or bad. They all, they're all valid.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where, actually, it's, it's almost like one of the biggest pitfalls. I think a lot of people initially seek these things out, like spiritual practices and philosophy and, yeah, anything about, like, mastering your mind. As a way to like escape, yeah, uh, feelings. that's usually where it starts. So, a lot of people are just going to develop evasion tactics and suppression and stuff like that under the guise of spirituality. Um, and I think that's kind of like a necessary first step, really. Um, so that's like there's another example of uh the benefits of having dealt with darkness, like. I think most of the people who are on these kinds of paths wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that.
0: Pretty much every single person, well, maybe not every, but like so many people who are into spiritual stuff or like have psychic gifts and connected to the other side, pretty much every single person started out like in a really tough spot. Like they had a chronic illness or they were depressed or they were overworked or things fell apart around them. And then they were forced to find something to hold on to and that's how the path starts like that's how it started for me you know
1: yeah yeah there's Um, a saying i don't remember exactly how the saying goes but it's like the best teacher is a broken heart and empty pockets
0: oh that's good wow that's
1: that's a really good one because in modern society like it has a lot of darkness it's built on a lot of darkness but it's pretty easy in western society to just kind of coast along just If you're just doing as you're told um, and you come from a uh, family that isn't impoverished, then you can kind of just go through your entire life without actually having to face reality. And yeah. Look at what you really value and uh, how to handle yourself in the world and so on.
0: Yeah, I remember I when, when
1: you, sorry. In <laughs> to situations to. Yeah really come to grips with reality and your own uh, your own uh, mental presence. Yeah, I, re-
0: I was going to say, I remember when we, well, we've known each other like 10 years now. And yeah. uh, w- within the first few years of talking, you asked me once, like, what are your values? And I didn't even know what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> like I, I was like, what? Like, I had literally never thought about it. Mm. And that's a good example of, yeah, like, it's just not the kind of thing that you're taught to think about. And it's, just, it's easy to just go through life. And, well, we're pretty much told this is what you're supposed to do. Here's what, here's what you're supposed to do to be a good person. Like, go, go get good marks in class and get a good job. And uh, I don't know, just other stuff like that. So people don't have to think about it because you're pretty much handed a manual. Like, here's what you're supposed to do to be good, to be happy. Yeah.
1: Like, you're never really living your own life. And I think that's one of the biggest, like, manifestations of the underlying darkness and the structure of of all societies, really.
0: The slave matrix. What? The slave matrix.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, inherent to any kind of social organization, I think. Like, I don't think you can really have a big group of humans working together without some form of... uh, dominance thing going on where people are more or less forced into um, like following someone else's path that they've laid out for them rather than going with their own flow.
0: Yeah I often wonder um, so like I I usually think like I consider myself pretty independent I don't like to be told what to do I don't like authority mm-hmm. and, and stuff like I don't like that kind of stuff so I always think oh yeah, the ideal for people would be that they're free to make their own decisions and to fill their days with what they want. And then every once in a while, I'll stop and go, what if that's just my bias because that's what I want? What if there's a lot yeah. of people that actually want to be followers? Like they're fine with that and they like it that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one of the big like weird realizations I've had in my life too, just realizing that you know most people don't really want all that much freedom. And we're not all the same in those regards. Like some people are independent, some people are very capable on of handling themselves and really like the freedom and solitude and so on. And well, most people don't.
0: I feel and like deep down they they probably do somewhere. <laughs> but I mean,
1: yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that thing where, like at a certain age, a child realizes that. Not everyone has had the same experiences and knows the same things as themselves. Like realizing individuality usually happens around like six or seven years old or whatever. So it's kind of like that, but on a larger scale, (laughs) like I feel like the more you grow up and individuate as a person, the more you realize that you're not like everyone else. I mean, especially if you are gifted in one way or another.
0: Yeah.
1: Whether it's just like, sheer intellect or um, empathy or social skills or anything like this where it just feels so like second nature because it's such a fundamental part of your existence that you don't realize it's not the same for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's been a big thing for me to realize. Just uh, honestly, just, I've always kind of thought other people are like me and it's it's just really not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that both of us and probably the people who listen to this are kind of the types that are just connected to the other side. And we're kind of outliers, not in the sense that, I think every single human has the capability to be connected to the other side. Like we are by default because that's where we come from, you know, the non-physical realms, but not everyone is consciously aware of and feeding this connection in their lives. So people like us who'd have just had paranormal shit happening to them <laughs> our entire lives and just like really weird. It's been a lot of like supernatural weirdness for both of us pretty much always. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel like we're on the front lines of things, like not that we're some special messiahs that have access to stuff mm-hmm. that other people don't, but more that we're kind of like early, we're kind of just uh, experiencing it first. What do you think of that?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think it has a lot to do with the topic at hand here, like integrating the darkness. Um,
0: yeah, because, most people, like, when they think of supernatural, the only thing they think of is scary movies. Like,
1: yeah. like. <laughs> and I mean, that, that is usually what people associate with it, like, beyond movies and stuff as well. Like, most paranormal or supernatural or whatever you want to call it stuff is kind of dark. Uh, at least that's, like, the, the idea we're given by, like, mainstream information.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much either but, like you can be this religion or you're or ghosts like there's scary ghosts and a supernatural yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like the whole idea of like the word occult, for example, most people associate that with something dark like the devil. And, yeah. yeah. And devil worship and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really, really I know. that,
1: that aren't immediately obvious to the naked eye or whatever.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of people are scared of supernatural things. Like if something inexplicable happens, they immediately just try, they try to shut it out. Like I, I used to read a lot of Reddit stories, like paranormal experiences, as you know, and Mm -hmm. like so many of them would be stories of someone experiencing something really strange with another person and then trying to bring it up to the other person years later. And that person's like, don't talk about that ever again. Like they just Mm -hmm. don't want to think about it. They can't.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's that's such a general thing with people, too. Like, there's so much they don't want to acknowledge. If they've had some kind of experience that breaks the norm or breaks their idea of what life should be or what it means to be a good person and so on, then they will hate it and fight it and not dare to look at it. And it's Like, a lot of people will be like that when they've opened up emotionally or, you know, when someone got really drunk and told you, like, the truth about something they've been suppressing or whatever.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, and, like, I think it's, it has a lot to do with how a lot of people are just really fearful about almost everything abstract, like their own feelings and their own understanding of stuff. Like, for example, if you try to talk politics with people, you know how inflamed it gets.
0: Ugh, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> because even if you just, like, present actual facts or just ask someone questions and see what conclusions they come up with themselves, they will uh, get angry and surprise. They take it and as an food. attack. Yeah, because yeah. it's not even about reality. It's about um, the, the, uh, the fear of consequences of acknowledging um, a picture that is not what you're expected to think. Yeah,
0: well, all of that is definitely by design, I think. And I yeah. believe that you think so too, that we're taught to just avoid the unknown. Like, don't look over there. Nope, there's nothing to see there. And it's because yeah. that's where all the fucking power is you know <laughs> yeah the darkness definitely another thing that i think is good about or another way that you can use darkness in a beneficial way for me has been like it shows me where my weak spots are like if something yeah. happens that triggers me and i start feeling insecure it's like yeah that's a dark dark emotions coming up but thank god they are because now i know they're there and i can strengthen myself in that area
1: yeah that's a very very like central aspect of this, but it's, like, honestly, the hardest one to actually live by, even when you acknowledge it, I think.
0: Yeah. Because our gut, our our first instinct is often to just shut that stuff out, like, look the other way. I still, honestly, I've been, like, forcing myself to turn towards my own darkness for, like, years now, and I still have to, I still find myself suppressing and avoiding things sometimes. And it takes a while to rewire yourself to turn towards it because everything we're taught is the opposite pretty much
1: yeah and that's been a very important lesson for me too like i've dealt a lot with depression and burnout and such as you know yeah and like the traditional approach or whatever that people teach at least here um has never worked it has only made things worse because they teach you to like develop coping mechanisms and distract yourself or take medication and so on. It doesn't really do anything about the problem.
0: Yeah, um, and in Sweden, you guys I, don't really like to talk about emotions, huh?
1: No emotions, <laughs> spirituality, or like, anything outside of like the consensus is a taboo. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, really, it's really like crazy how uptight and narrow-minded people are here. Um, like after traveling to other countries and such like (laughs) it's almost bizarre seeing just how how much of a stick everyone has up their ass here
0: (laughs) I mean there's definitely a really heavy vibe in the people there like like a repressed a repressed feeling but Swedes are so awesome too like I I love I love you guys but but there's definitely like a vibe of repression in the air that I notice on the train everyone just looks unhappy
1: Yeah, like, I think it's uh, a good, like, segue back to the general topic here, Um, like, the idea of suppressing darkness and creating this, like, fake positive thing that's actually darker. I think this is a perfect example of that, how everything works up here. Yeah. Yeah, um, getting back to what I was talking about with depression and stuff, the thing that's actually helped the most (laughs) is to actually just kind of, I wouldn't say, like, wallow in it, but like actually taking the time to spend a long time in a sort of meditation on what's bothering me and just acknowledging yeah. things writing them down having an internal dialogue or monologue or like talking to strangers on the internet about things like actually expressing the stuff and looking at it and like giving yeah. it the at once
0: I think of these things like, like even depression or insecurity or whatever, I think of them like parts of us that have split off that are coming and trying to have a voice. And we often just shut out the voice and ignore it. And it's like, no, it needs to speak. And that's why it gets louder and louder. Um, And so just allowing that, allowing that part of you to speak, like giving it space and saying, I see you, you're valid. What do you want to tell me? It's amazing how much value there is there.
1: Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> I picture kind of like having a a kid that wants attention and you're just kind of annoyed and
0: yeah, yeah, want
1: to have a conversation with an adult, but there's this kid that actually needs your attention because they drank the dishwashing soap and like they're not feeling okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're like, mom, 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 yeah, mom, mom. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. That's a perfect example. I actually, I think I used that exact metaphor in one of my old videos of like, oh, okay. it's, like a, it's like a child who needs your attention and we all know how it goes when you ignore a kid that needs your attention. <laughs> they, just, they just get louder and louder and they'll yeah. start wrecking shit.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, it's, it's, it can, it's really hard at first because um, it feels like you're going against like every instinct you have being like, okay, I'm depressed. Why? And and like letting yourself go into it and look at it and feel the feels. It's just so counterintuitive at first, but I, it's just so helpful. Mm-hmm. Too.
1: And I think that's where so much creativity comes from as well. Uh, and I think there's not really like, it's not a coincidence that. People that have dealt with a lot of stuff tend to be the more creative ones, Um, and I think we're both examples of that.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, because it's a way. It's a way to. Well, a lot of times you're just trying to distract yourself from the pain. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's like it's one of those things where it has so many like different ways of uh, like the synergy between. Uh, dealing with darkness and creativity—they like so many different ways that they interact. You know, which yeah. is why I think is one of the most beneficial ones. Because, for example, there's the thing where you just like you need to distract yourself, or creating is the only thing that feels good sometimes. Like that's one uh, one aspect of it, and then there's also the thing where like when you're really processing uh, negative stuff, a lot of times you come up with these like just really brilliant um, expressions uh, uh, of like your inner struggle or whatever and like it creates so many good things like music or like I I completely lost (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I get what you're saying I actually heard someone use a similar metaphor that you used with the movie but with music like they were saying you can listen to a song that's all major chords, which is like the happy sounding chords for people who aren't music-brained. Uh, yeah. But that's boring. Like, it doesn't have any depth, but you add some minors in there. You know, the chords that sound a little more sad or dark, and suddenly you have something that sounds a lot more interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I also heard a uh, musician say something about that on the radio once in an interview. Um, uh, but yeah, like, the, the interesting thing about the main, uh, major and minor chords is it's all relative, you know, like what's a minor chord in one scale is a major chord in another scale. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, for example, you know, like when you play on a piano, the C major and A minor scale are the same.
0: Oh, my gosh. that Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I never even yeah. thought about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's so, a, a
0: perfect metaphor
1: too yeah so like for example if you play all major chords it doesn't even sound happy it just sounds weird <laughs> you know mm, yeah We're, um yeah i'm not gonna get into like weird music theory here because <laughs> probably yeah. would be lost in most listeners and really uninteresting so
0: yeah i mean we can talk about that after this because it sounds interesting to me but yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so the yeah the creativity thing is another good thing to talk about because i know um that both of us are, we have like a lot of creative interests mm. and like, you know, writing and, and music and drawing and so many different, I mean, you don't draw that much, but you're really good at it naturally. And, uh, and I know that there's so many people out there that don't feel creative or they think like, oh yeah, I'm just not good, or I wouldn't know what to do, or I'm just not people will say they're not creative which is silly because everyone is but how do you if you encounter like self-doubt like I don't know where how do you just let yourself flow with creative things what's your process with that
1: I don't have one singular process I I feel like you have to be kind of adaptive with this stuff at least that's my experience like for example just forcing it that works yeah sometimes for maybe yeah. most of the time, that's um, one way. Another way is like uh, trying to express the self-doubt itself, or whatever it is that's getting away—the self-sabotage, the writer's block, whatever.
0: Oh, that's a good um, one.
1: If you gave that uh, its own form. What would it look like? What would it um, sound like? Whatever. Or yeah. even just like if, if you get into that self-critical thing, just set out to make the worst, ugliest, most horrible sounding thing ever, you know?
0: Oh, that's a great one, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, like that's what I've done with music sometimes, like how do I write the worst song possible? And that usually, like, it makes things fun, you know, when it gets to creative use flowing.
0: Yeah, I had a friend ask me recently, like, how do you get over perfectionism in art? Like, how do you get over the block that tells you you have to make something good? And I said, just give yourself permission to make something bad. Or just don't ever show anyone. Just make it for the sake of making it. Not because you want it to look a certain way, but just do it because it's fun to do it. Because mm-hmm. people put so much heaviness on creative things, you know, like, oh, if I'm going to start a podcast, I better make sure that I'm saying worthwhile things. And it's like, why? Why don't you just do it for fun? <laughs> it's an experiment, you know, or it can be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in the end, like trying to make things uh, out of a, like a, a perfectionist or a pragmatic standpoint, like it can make something decent that might work for a while, but it's kind of fake, you know?
0: It doesn't uh, have the soul behind it. It might be technically yeah.
1: good, but yeah. If you make something to like just make it the best it can be from a more genuine uh, standpoint. Um, that's where all the things that actually end up sticking come from. Like, for example, if you think about, uh, like, with pop music, for example, most of it is very, like, it's formulaic. They have these, like, algorithms to predict how catchy something will be and how well it will sell, how much money it will make, and so on.
0: Don't they, they have like robots separate... literally writing songs now?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they use them commercially, but, I mean, the way humans have been doing it for the last 20 years is pretty much just the same thing, but done by a human. Um, so it's a same yeah. thing that's slower. Um, but uh, yeah what I I was gonna say is like they can create this stuff that's super catchy in the short term um, but these songs do not stick you know like a couple of years from now you don't remember them yeah even if you hear it on like the old classic reel on the radio you're like it's just like a vague kind of passing thing like oh yeah this is the stuff they used to play in a club like five years ago or whatever Uh, Whereas like stuff that was made genuinely um, whether it's like pop music or more uh, artistic music or whatever it's like the stuff that's genuinely made uh, from the heart and such that's the kind of stuff that sticks 50 years later. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see these days because there are a lot of kids that were born like after the uh, after the millennium shift uh, who were like discovering all this old music from the 70s and stuff yeah uh, so to this day you know that's that's really speaking volumes about uh, the, the lasting power of genuinely felt creations
0: yeah I like how you said genuinely felt because uh, that could even be a hang up when someone's like how do I make something from the heart this has to be real and it's like just do it because it's fun like it's literally that simple that's how you make good stuff do it because it's fun <laughs> yeah,
1: and that, it's like another thing about like with the music metaphor is <laughs> we're not done with those yet but uh, <laughs> like a lot of the the greatest singers or whatever are actually not that good at singing you know
0: yeah, I've heard of that okay, too, like Bob Dylan. Like,
1: if they write good lyrics and they sing genuinely, then it ends up being good music, or at least some people yeah. think so.
0: Yeah, uh, it really like the Modest Mouse singer. A lot of people think that he sounds awful, yeah. but he's singing, but he's singing, he's singing for real. He's putting himself into it. So he has lots and lots of fans, even though like, yeah, you know, exactly. he doesn't have the nicest voice in the world.
1: Yeah, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I nothing mean, bad with that, but yeah.
0: But yeah, it's just kind of an unusual-sounding voice that not everyone's yeah. gonna like, but it's like a lot of people do. Same with the Radiohead guy. That guy has kind of a strange-sounding voice, but it's like yeah. people like it.
1: And so many people started like copying his way of singing and stuff too.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. Like someone who's just doing things because they like it and it's fun. They're the ones that. I just feel like those are the best creations, really. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just biased, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> back to the topic of uh, transmuting darkness. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think like a larger scale, more abstract, generalized um, thing. Wait. More <laughs> <laughs> abstract, more generalized um Version of this whole creativity thing is just like with living life in general. Um, there's that whole thing where darkness fuels your creativity, uh, and if you look at it like if you zoom out and look at it from a more general, big picture perspective, it's the same thing with life. You know, it's uh, a lot of times it's the dark things that give you like the drive and inspiration to do good things. <laughs> like yeah. to, to, to settle the store even things out and make it worthwhile you know yeah like that's yeah. kind of a big thing for me um like <laughs> i think one of the main reasons why i've been um, like i used to be really driven in my early 20s and just had all these big plans and worked so hard and was inspired uh like, was so inspired to do things in life. And it all came from just, like, this this sense of lack, in a sense, you know? Like, yeah. I felt like my life up to a certain point and had just, like, really sucked, you know? Like, yeah, so bad. And that made me want to do something to, like, make up for that. And I think yeah. that has been, like, my biggest... Energy source in my adult life, really.
0: Um, yeah, just making sure that you uh, you're like, well, I I know what the what like sh- shitty circumstances are like, so I definitely I want to devote a lot more attention to enjoying things now, like just yeah, balance it,
1: like make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's kind of like a, a recoil effect, like a spring load or whatever.
0: Well, that's probably one of the things that gave you the motivation to say, screw it, I'm just going to become a digital nomad, because we we did that together, like traveling yeah. for like two and a half years, I think, wasn't it? Two and a half years? Going yeah, from country I mean, to country?
1: Found, but yeah, I think the yeah. first time to it was like between two and a half and three years.
0: And that's not something that just anyone would do. It's something that I mean, two people who are really fucking disillusioned with their lives and like just w- like are willing to take a chance because you've been through so mm. much shit that it's like i'm not scared of going to new countries i'm suffering so much where i am so fuck it let's just see what happens
1: yeah and <laughs> exactly. I, I think that that kind of uh, embracing that kind of frame of mind where you have nothing to lose you know that's one of the most powerful things ever like if yeah, you that's a nothing beautiful to place to be you Have nothing to fear
0: yeah, that's why so many people like really come to life after getting a cancer diagnosis.
1: Yeah, or after losing everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that quote you mentioned earlier, like, the best teacher is a broken heart and empty pockets or whatever, however it went. That was really good.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and, like so you, it. and it's like one of those things that just keeps popping up. Like, I see it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> lately. I'll, I'll
0: probably start seeing it because I've literally never heard it before. But now uh, that it's in my mind, it's probably gonna keep popping up because that always happens.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I was just gonna say something, and then I think I lost the thought. Uh, what was um, it? Was something about the cancer making you come to life? And oh yeah. So I think. I try to mention on my podcast, like, yeah, going through devastating things like being abused or being a drug addict or being depressed or chronically ill can wake you up and put you in touch with like, for lack of a better word, the divine or more positive things like coming to life fully. Um, but, but it doesn't have to be so fucking extreme. Like it really doesn't. You can, you can just stop and be like, how can I start, um, Seeing, like, when I'm triggered, for example, feeling some kind of negative emotion, how can I start to, like, see the opportunity in that, like, the learning opportunity, or take it as something valuable? How can I flip the script a little bit and, like, just test myself and see if I can... uh, Take it in a good way, like be like, what does this have to teach me instead of, oh no, why does this always happen to me? Fuck, oh no, poor me, I'm mad or whatever, being like, oh, oh, I'm triggered. I'm feeling kind of sad. This is interesting. What, what can I learn here? Like, what is this part of me trying to tell me?
1: Yeah, there's a very important, um, very important perspective to have with this stuff. So like, what would you say is one of the biggest realizations you w- you've had with that stuff recently?
0: Uh, that just trying to, so my first instinct when I'm feeling a weird, dense emotion is often just to uh, avoid it, like ignore it. Like -hmm. I'll I'll just like get on the internet and distract myself and I'll feel weird. Like I feel like I'm not in my body and I have like this anxiety going. And now I've learned to see that if I feel kind of like a little anxious and weird and I'm reaching for distraction, there's a sign, like I have some emotion that needs to come out, and I, I usually have to cry or something, um, but I mentioned on another episode that one more uh, morning recently, I, maybe I didn't, but I, I woke up, and I felt just like this weird anxiety hanging around, like something was bothering me, and instead of just avoiding it or distracting myself, I immediately like got out my phone and started recording a voice note and saying, I feel fucking weird right now. I don't know why, but I feel weird, and I just let myself talk about it. Because a lot of times, um, especially people who are getting like understanding how the law of attraction works and like creating your own reality with your thoughts, we get into this hang up of thinking like, but if I I talk about the bad stuff, I'm going to attract more of it. Mm. Uh, But it's actually the opposite. If you have some weird vibe hanging around, just giving a voice to it actually allows it to just flow through. So the biggest realization I've had is just something that I've actually learned a lot over the years, but that I just keep getting a deeper understanding of it, which is just fucking say it. Just let it be there. Let it, like, either write about it, talk to a friend about it, or at least just acknowledge it. Like, I feel kind of weird right now. Okay. Or if you're afraid of something, just say it. Like, I'm afraid they're not going to like me. Just say it. Just get it out there. Get it in the open.
1: Yeah, I I think that's so much easier to really understand things when you put it into words. Because we're yeah. so, used, uh, so used to just like thinking in words all the time and listening to words. And uh, so when you're like actually express things, I feel like that makes it finally like it resolves um, the tension in a sense.
0: Yeah, when it's just this vague background thing, it feels very threatening and, and it feels huge mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just this un... it's it's just this vague, weird, like something's off. And it's almost, it's even worse when it's just a vague, slight thing of something being off. It's worse than something really bad (laughs) because you don't know what it is. And it just, it's like this unformed, like general sense of being unsafe or something's wrong. Um, But when you put it into words, like either writing or speaking it aloud, you're putting putting it in perspective because it's just a small thing. and like you're you're the one observing it but it doesn't feel that way before you get it out it feels huge it feels like everything and then you get it out and you're like oh yeah i'm way bigger than this it's just a passing thing
1: yeah it's like this um, chaotic unprocessed thing that hasn't been sorted yet and once you put it in a slot then (laughs) it doesn't bother you so much anymore
0: oh that's a good way to think of it like sorting yeah Yeah, like even just defining
1: yeah I think suppressing stuff is just like keeping it in that limbo state. It's a a bit like if you have to cough, you know, you can kind of like resist the cough for a long time, you know. Like you can keep it down for minutes maybe, uh, but it's going to be like really uncomfortable the whole time. (laughs) And it's just going to be worse when you finally do let it out.
0: Yeah, I really think that probably the average person in the modern world is living in an almost constant state of that, just like suppressing things.
1: Yeah for sure and like it takes a lot to really realize that (laughs) because I mean that's just kind of like uh, living in modern society in general mentally and physically it's just you have so many like factors that are just contorting you beyond like it doesn't have any semblance to your natural habitat in any way (laughs) yeah you can just kind of keep going like we're so adaptable and resilient that even with like hundred things being wrong in your life, you can still keep going for decades.
0: It's amazing and, how resilient
1: humans are. Yeah, and it creates this illusion that we're fine when we're really not. It's like, you can live a long life of just like a sedentary lifestyle, uh, a sedentary lifestyle with really horrible posture, eating the worst fucking food every day. It's like smoking a pack a day, drinking multiple times a week and so on just doing this for like 70 years and yeah I mean be mostly operational right and yeah you know, even
0: even like meth sure
1: heads that, is that you think you're fine you know when you yeah not.
0: Yeah, even I'm always amazed by tweaker, like wait, I don't know if that's PC, but people who smoke a lot of meth and they do it for like decades and somehow they're still fucking walking around and functioning. Yeah. It's like you don't sleep, you don't eat, and you smoke meth all day long and you're still walking around. Like how
1: yeah, I- alcoholics too. Like that's yeah. always even when I was a kid, I would be like, oh, How is this person even alive? you know? Like they can't yeah. walk. You know, they can't walk straight. They're always like bubbling around Um, yeah it
0: gives the illusion that we're fine um that we can do all these things but honestly I can feel that people are not fine (laughs) and uh like I can hear it in someone's tone of voice when they're Mm -hmm. like it basically I can it's almost like it sounds like the emotional equivalent of they have like a huge boulder on their back and they're speaking going oh yeah things are good and it's like i can hear in your voice that you're like about to fucking break
1: man (laughs) yeah it's like that thing people are always asking like how are you but nobody wants an answer
0: Yeah, I remember like when I came back from Europe and moved back to America, it's like I would go out to bars with my friends and people would come up and say, how are you? And I I would be like, "Uh," and they would always kind of because I wasn't used to being in America and like faking everything. (laughs) Um, So I was kind of like, well, and I would give an honest answer, like not really that good lately. And people would look so taken aback, like what, what, like, (laughs) like, like like glitching because they just weren't used to someone giving a real answer
1: yeah and i was but like I wait oh yeah
0: you're not supposed to say that oops
1: is a rhetorical question
0: yeah they're like i didn't actually care <laughs> yeah
1: really it's good.
0: funny how you're supposed to just follow scripts like maybe not as much in sweden but here it's very clear like that you you know people say how are you and you're good how are you And uh. yeah i've been uh t- thinking and talking about the idea lately of going off script Because like, most of the time, you know, if you're going about a regular lifestyle, like you just described, like, even just being unhealthy, or like, okay, so I wake up in the morning, I drink coffee, I go to work, I come home, I do this, you're living out a very specific script, and it's predictable. And you're basically just like, letting your life pass you by. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because it's routine, and there's nothing new. So your brain doesn't actually you're not present. Uh, so you're like years and years and years can go by whereas if you go off script like if you break the script it's like you can immediately feel the energy that brings and this doesn't even have to be in a huge way like I'm gonna like move out of my house and go to Guam and start start a (laughs) (laughs) start a business it can just be something as small as like how would I normally react uh, in this conversation when someone brings that up this is what I'd normally say. But this time I'm just not gonna say anything.
1: Um, yeah. It's
0: amazing how much that actually shifts the energy within you.
1: It can change your entire week, just like one moment like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's very powerful. Like there's so much truth in what you were saying. Like I've been thinking about that stuff so much lately too. And like reflecting back to the past and things with um, like the perception of time when When you're just living on a routine, uh, yeah, just doing predictable stuff, like your brain doesn't register anything. After a while, you're not really experiencing your life. It's just you're distracting yourself, and it all just passes by so fast. Like one of the things that I really remember was so impactful from traveling was that like a couple of weeks would feel like a year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, from like the routine life and. Yeah, I made it a point at the points in time. Like, I've moved around a lot before and after that as well. Um, But, like, when I've been living in cities, I've always tried to, like, make it a point to uh, always go to different places. Um, Like, instead of always going to the same cafe or the same bar or whatever to meet people. uh, Like, if you live in a, a crowded, busy place like that, you're passing by so many new places every day. If you can pass the same place a hundred times and not go there, like, just go check it out, you know. It can, it can change some of the things as being, like, a little bit more spontaneous.
0: Yeah, the quote, now I my turn to share a quote <laughs> uh, about this that describes it perfectly is, like, routine collapses time or, like, contracts time, mm-hmm. makes it smaller, and novelty expands it. Yeah, and that's exactly sure. what it is. It's just doing something new. It's like you're in the now, like you're actually embodied and present.
1: Yeah, like the way I've been trying to like think of a, a way to like put it lately too. And the, the best thing I came up with was like, if you're, if it isn't memorable, like if your brain isn't going to memorize, uh if your brain isn't going to remember it later, and it's not going to remember it now. Like, it's not going to really be experiencing it now either.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. So like, that's, a, that's an interesting novelty, way to put
1: it. Novelty makes things memorable. And uh, things being memorable makes you present and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I mean, evolution itself is literally like, it's just always newness. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. how can we take this in a different way that hasn't been done before? And if, it, yeah. if something doesn't evolve, it's going to die. Is gonna
1: yeah like creating all these weird routines and having everything sorted out and organized and enforced in such strict ways. It's not natural for us at all. It's our brains can't really handle that and still be fine. Uh,
0: yeah, I've been trying to find a balance with that though because my life is like so unstructured. Literally, I have zero, pretty much zero obligations, and I I create it that way on purpose. But sometimes I wonder, like, could I stand to have a little bit more of a routine because it's literally yeah. just like a free-for-all <laughs> and I'm kind of like, <laughs> uh, maybe I need to, but just a little bit more structure. <laughs>
1: mm.
0: But finding a balance with that is tricky because I want to feel like my time is my own. I don't want to follow rules. And so even my own rules, I want to break. <laughs> so that's a tricky, tricky balance, the routine yeah. thing, but also being spontaneous. Do you uh, plan things much, like have a routine, or do you just kind of like go with the flow?
1: Ah, uh, well, it varies.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, but lately I've been making a point. Like, I have certain routines. Like, I don't have fixed times for things. Like, it's not like at eight in the morning I do this. At noon I do that. Like, yeah. It's more like I have specific things that I need to do every day, and like I need to do a specific amount or a specific time of whatever activity is. Um, That works a lot better for me.
0: Yeah, just kind of knowing, yeah.
1: I can get that resistance as well. Like if I have to do the same thing, the same time, it eventually makes me resent it. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, same here. Way to do things.
0: Uh, yeah, I think like ha- having a natural kind of rebellious personality like we both have, it's tricky with them, um, like structuring things, because the moment you make some kind of rule, it's like you want to break the rule, <laughs> or at least for me, it's like that. But I've been kind of playing around with that, trying to find a balance with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, an interesting thing about the part uh, we were talking about earlier with uh, people asking, how are you and not really caring for the answer is like I think an important thing to look at there is like when people actually do connect it's usually over something that's kind of like a struggle or dark in one way or another you know that's usually yeah. what makes things relatable like when you actually start talking to someone um, like when someone asks you how are you and they actually <laughs> listen to the things that are uh, troubling you then that's usually where people form genuine connections and lasting friendships and such and even like (laughs) something as silly as like hating the same stuff is often like (laughs) the foundation of a lot of friendships especially among younger people you know
0: yeah like fuck that yeah fuck that too okay cool let's hate that together (laughs)
1: like that's another example of like how darkness transmuted becomes something great
0: yeah I remember one time I was, I mean, this is kind of a side note, but related, like I was at a bar with a friend who liked sports. So I was like, okay, well, there's beer there. So I guess I'll go. But there was a game on and there was like a lot of people there like into the game wearing their jerseys. And yeah, I don't even remember what sport it was. But I was just like, yeah, go team. And I I said the team name. I don't remember who it was now because yeah, and and then the, these people were like, yeah, yeah, I'm like high-fiving me, and I was like, oh, cool, and I got all excited, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why people like this, <laughs> because it's, it's like, there's something, them. there's something, there's something here <laughs> to relate on, and like, get excited about together, and then when things go wrong, you know, like, oh, no, he missed the basket, everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. man, and they, they can relate on that, and it's like a solidarity thing.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> Just a little side note. <laughs>
1: Yes, I think that's that's a big one. Like <laughs> being mad at the same things. I I feel like there are definitely more angles to get back to the core topic here.
0: Yeah. Um, I never even I really should... plan these things. I just kind of kind of go wherever it wants to go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, I like that approach too because, well, at least the way I, I see things. Like, all these different things are just facets of the same thing. You can't really, like, get an understanding of something by just looking at the thing itself, because it branches out in all these different complex ways.
0: Yeah, something I've noticed lately, which is really interesting uh, about that, is that, like, when I have some kind of problem, of any kind, really, like something that I'm trying to solve. The more that I look at the problem and try to like make a list of this and that and like research this and that and see what the experts say about this, I never get anywhere. But when I'm like, ah, fuck it, man, I'm done thinking about this and I go start playing guitar or something, I'll get all the solution will just like appear a lot of times yeah. or or it resolves itself like when I am mm-hmm. have my mind on something else.
1: Yeah, it's like, Is using different parts of your mind. Um, i like to think of it in terms of like computers (laughs) where like you have the working memory, like uh, RAM, which you only have like a pretty limited amount of it. And then you have like your processor, which has a lot more processing power is like all it does. And you have like, uh, some space allotted on your hard drive for processing things, and like all these things work together. They they are all like processing things. They're all making things happen, right? And you you have like your sound card and your video card and so on. They all chip in, and they all have their own tasks. Um, so when you're like just trying to like overthink something, analyze it with your brain, is like you're just using like the R E M memory to do all of this and it's just it, it doesn't hold that much information it's supposed to go into like the deeper stages and do like the deep processes and the longer thinking which is an entirely different part of your brain and yeah like, so like, like the subconscious and stuff time, right yeah so like when you're just trying to like crunch it out with your thinking mind a lot of the time you're not getting anywhere but when you actually leave it to the bigger part of your mind the subconscious then it gets sorted out eventually.
0: Yeah, you can even... A-
1: post to handle these things.
0: Yeah, you can even ask yourself a question before bed, like be like, hey, subconscious mind, what should I do about mm. this? And then go to sleep and you'll often get the answer, like you'll wake up and know.
1: Yeah, it's like, I heard this metaphor where the mind, it's like a a man riding an elephant and... Like, if you actually want to get from point A to point B, you tell the elephant to go there or like give it a reason to go there. It's going to do it. But if you like yeah. hop off the elephant and try to like push it there, you're just going like, to waste a lot of energy and not get anywhere.
0: Oh, that's a really good metaphor, too.
1: Lots mm-hmm. of gems yeah, like, in this. In this. In this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed a lot of times, like, if I'm confused about something, um, I'll go to sleep. Like, I'll be like, yeah, I can't figure this out. This is weird. I don't know. I'm confused. And I go to sleep. Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, that's why. Like, it'll just come to me.
1: Like a eureka moment.
0: Yeah. Like, I'll just wake up and it'll be like, oh, and I suddenly understand it. Not because I was thinking about it.
1: Yeah. But because I stopped thinking about it. We handed it off to the big mind.
0: Yeah. The big mind. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's. In a lot of ways, um, like the subconscious is much bigger. It's deeper and it's been around much longer. Like It's been evolving for, even if you have like a completely like just um, 3D uh, skeptic scientific kind of understanding of things, then um, the subconscious mind has been around for millions of years, like evolving all the way back to this really crude life forms, you know, Whereas yeah. our conscious mind is like a pretty new thing. It's still learning ropes. It doesn't even know itself yet.
0: It's honestly um, pretty dumb compared to the subconscious, but I don't even like to say dumb. I like to think of it more like it's pretty much a kid, like a child made, compared... Made
1: for different things is the way I like to think about it.
0: They're, sorry, say that again?
1: They're made for different things, like they're specialized in different things.
0: Yeah, so what do you think that the conscious mind is specialized for?
1: Like um immediate uh analysis of specific things more like okay. the, the subconscious mind is more general uh more abstract, and the thinking mind is more specific it it looks at a uh, detail uh and yeah infinitely into the smallest little detail so it's like a
0: microscope or something
1: mind deals with more like the broad strokes yeah um Yeah, that's that's another, like, approach I've had to thinking about difficult things sometimes. Uh, Just thinking in terms of, like, what's the most abstract form I can give it? uh, To just, like, remove all the details and just keep the the core, the fundamental information. uh,
0: Like, what's the essence of it?
1: Yeah. So, like, when you look at reality, it's kind of like, There are certain, like, abstract things that just have endless different iterations upon iterations that just get more and more complex and detailed and specific. But they're all really just reflections of these few pretty simple abstract things.
0: Like the archetypes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's really interesting. I've never thought about applying that. Were you saying like when you're encountering a difficult emotion or something, you can apply this yeah, to that? Or like
1: oh Yeah, like just peel away the details. Like instead of I am feeling sadness because I am experiencing this and that and I wanted this instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I think of it like what's the least personal, least specific, least detailed uh Way to express that uh, that scenario, you know? It's, yeah, uh, it, it can so, be pretty powerful.
0: What's an example of that? The first thing that came to my mind is that trying to like think of it like a, a picture, like oh, I'm feeling some anxiety, so I imagine it as like a black cloud around me or something. But I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe you're talking about something else.
1: Well, it can be that too. Um, I I just think of like removing the the me removing the details, the specifics, and just looking at it at the most, like, fundamental uh, representation of the information. Hmm. Like, making it less personal. It's almost like artificial ego death or something.
0: Artificial ego
1: death?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, you're kind of going over my head right now. Can you dumb it down a little?
1: <laughs> yeah. I need need to think a bit more first.
0: Well, say like, you know, like I was saying, I woke up that day and I felt anxious and I was anxious over something specific.
1: Yeah, if I I wake up and I'm feeling like worried, stressed out about um, work, for example, or having enough money for a specific thing, then instead of just looking at that feeling and the uh, situation as it is I try to like how do I put this so like instead of it being me it's just it you know and instead of the uh, like sadness it's just that kind of energy like the the desire that is failing to connect and fulfill itself um okay yeah yeah or we can do a lot of like not even like desire just thinking of it in terms of energy like magnetism or whatever um and just peeling away all the the specifics of it and all the like the first person stuff all the feeling and things just try to like look at the fundamental concepts of it all
0: it's it's so it's interesting to hear about how you do this kind of stuff because we like, operate very differently. Like, for me, it's so um, emotional, like, strong. But but lately, I've been getting kind of the same idea as you of getting more neutral with things. But it's not something I've tried to do. It's just kind of naturally happened as I'm meditating more. And, mm-hmm. and just just kind of sitting with things without the judgment and story it's like i'll feel emotion come up but there's no story and it's not even i can't even name what it is but it's like a really strong feeling to the point i'll cry sometimes but but i don't know if it's i'm happy or i'm sad and it doesn't matter it's just like energy happening
1: yeah and i think that really ties together with the process i was talking about or at least like the truth behind it because when you try to like define these deeply felt things you don't have a proper way to define it you don't have words like that's why I'm struggling to explain what I'm talking about because it's very hard to really find words for this stuff because it is so vague and and intuitive less than the uh, like the general nature of things that are true is that they are very like hazy you know they're very abstract and vague like so much of the specifics and Like the seriousness and the personalness and the first person-ness of it all. It's just kind of stuff we're creating in order to interpret it. Like the actual truth itself, when you look at it, is a lot more like liquid.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I feel like um, people who say there's someone who's like just coming onto the spiritual path, who has been suppressing things their whole life. It's tricky because with what we're talking about right now where you see things more neutral and you take the first person out, that person could use that to totally bypass themselves. Mm. Um, It's more kind of advanced level, like not not to sound like, I mean, honestly, both of us have been thinking about and working on this stuff for years now. So we are kind of at a certain level with it. And I feel like it, it comes after you allow space for yourself to feel victimized in the first person way and fully be in your story and feeling and like hold space for that. And then it's like, you can kind of graduate to being able to get to the essence of things and not get attached. But if you try to jump yeah. straight to that, it can. Act, I think it could actually be bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it also has to do with like different personality types and what you've experienced and so on. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's like a specific order of learning things. Like, this is why I hate the idea of like the way most people portray enlightenment and such, because it's basically just like taking one aspect of it and calling it the entire thing and calling everything else a false teaching. Where really, like, what you realize when you're learning is that. It's not about like creating a specific frame of seeing things. It's the ability to change between them or like see multiple at the same time. Yeah. Like, when you're talking about being more like in the the me space and like feeling and experiencing ego and so on, that is equally important and valid as the more like zoomed out, vague. Yeah. Um, abstract kind of thing. And I think you, in order to really understand anything and be, like, at peace in yourself, you need to be able to switch back and forth between them.
0: Or even feel them both at the same time. Sometimes yeah. I can do that where it's, like, I'm aware of the victimhood story happening and I'm aware of the quantum level of things, like, mm-hmm. at the same time.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, like, that's ayahuasca. That is, like, the the most concentrated form of that
0: in oh, my man. Uh, experience.
1: It's like, it's the both extremes at once.
0: That's another thing we can talk about sometime because we went to Peru and did ayahuasca in a temple with 74 other people. And that was an experience, wasn't it? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, even the stuff that happened after, just like all the supernatural weirdness. And yeah, yeah, we have so many stories of supernatural weirdness that I think that we should record episodes just about that.
1: (laughs) We probably should
0: so we'll probably record a lot more conversations together because there's just a lot of things to talk about and we always have awesome conversations so this was really fun (laughs)
1: yeah it was
0: uh thanks for sharing your your ideas and wisdom and i'll have you on here again yeah yeah it was really fun